Welcome back to That Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Sports Booth. Today, Husey, myself, at it again, trying our best to bring you rugby content when there is a lack of rugby going on. But we do not fail, Husey, do we? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We don't quit when the going gets tough. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, and that's what we do. We're the tough, aren't we? We are... Yeah, battling away, but obviously there are, I guess, still some rugby news. I, I, I would say the the biggest news is the Eddie Jones sweepstakes that are going around at the moment. Now, obviously, as a New Zealander who has many a coaches at our, I guess, fingertips, we're not ones looking for Eddie Jones, but the English, obviously, not looking for Eddie Jones. Yeah. I think the Irish and the French are in good places, but there are a few teams that are. Your Wallabies, who we, yeah. we now know have made contact to Eddie Jones. We've got the American Rugby, as you mentioned last week, the NRL, as you mentioned last week, and uh, Castres, Olympic Castres from the France have actually already announced that he's going to be doing some work for them in a consultation ba- basis. So yeah. he's already doing that for them at the moment now, straight off the bat of this, but... There is a lot more that's going to come of this. We we have heard the rumours, and now it's been confirmed that Australian rugby CEO has said Wallabies will be more than happy to discuss with him to have him in some capacity. Stupid not to, as we've said. Yeah, as absolutely. Number one Wallaby supporter. What what do you make of the situation? Uh it's see, I, there's been a number of ringing endorsements across the board for Eddie Jones. I mean. Owen Farrell was a massive one, came out today and basically, I don't know it was Taylor yesterday, but basically said this wasn't a player-led coup. We all really liked him and wanted him to stay and there were issues that were not Eddie Jones. So that, to me, sort of surprised me because uh, Eddie has got his personality and he can be quite forceful. And we know that Farrell wasn't happy that he wasn't given the captain's jersey back straight away, that he was forced to play out of position for a player that seemed to be at odds with Eddie Jones to come out and say, uh, you know, we didn't want him gone, I think speaks a lot to Eddie Jones. It speaks a lot to the situation that England rugby have, have put themselves in. Uh, now, there's also been a lot of endorsements from a lot of former Wallaby greats. You know, Morgan Tiranui uh, comes to mind, very active in the Australian rugby world still. And uh, I think that it's really going to come down to Dave Rennie and his ego and what he can handle. Now, from what I've seen of Dave Rennie, he doesn't appear to have an ego. I think he would be more than happy to have Eddie Jones there to help um, Australia with a World Cup. Um, and then the next part of it is, is what role will Eddie Jones be willing to accept? Is he happy to have that assistant coach role, you know, consultation role, director of rugby or something like that? You know, some title that isn't, coach in some role that isn't coach because that is Dave Rennie's job I don't think he's done enough to lose it I don't think uh, and I don't think Eddie Jones has done enough to supplant him without debate you know um, yep. like, yes Eddie Jones has had success yes he's gone to a World Cup final he hasn't won a World Cup final though so I think if Eddie Jones had won the World Cup got sacked and then was I want to come back and coach Australia I think you'd be silly. I, I think there would be more weight lent to sack off whoever we've got, get Eddie Jones in here. He just won the last World Cup. He knows what he's doing kind of thing. Um, but I don't think that's the correct path to go for Australian rugby at the moment. I think the path they're treading at the moment is the correct one. 
work Eddie Jones back into Australian rugby in some capacity. And I think that will make all of Australian rugby, including the Super Rugby teams, better because um, stories have been coming out about how he was very active in English rugby outside of just the national team, you know, going to various clubs and having chats with the players and passing on his knowledge and things like that. So I think he'd be a tremendous asset to have back here in Australia, um, not just for the Wallabies, but for all levels of rugby. Yeah, I like, there's many of things you've said there that I like, and that's A, yeah, his grassroots work, which has now been, I think, um, highlighted even more so than it was yep. when he was probably in that position, just now that he's leaving. that It's the show that Eddie Jones is this guy that is able to, you know, he does have a personality, but he also gives a lot back and loves the sport of rugby. And yep. then, yeah, B, the, the ego of Rennie. Now, we've seen is it Dan McLennan, Dan McKellar, whatever his name is, the Dan Brumbies McKellar. coach. Dan McKellar was able to move in pretty quickly, and that seemed like a smooth transition. And that's a pretty big name to bring into your coaching staff with yep. his success he's had at the Brumbies. And that seemed to go down so well that I, I can't imagine Rennie ever, you know, I think he's, Rennie's the type of guy that wants to put him and his players and whoever he's helping out in the best position possible and will do yep. that. I think it'll come to what they can agree on, what what will be done. I don't see I, this new CEO, and again, I should really start to learn his name because he's popping up more and more. Um, he's doing a fantastic job, I think, um, to be honest, in the role of Australian rugby CEO because he, A, is making noise in all the right places and everyone would have said he's not with the Super Rugby, but I think he is. And then... This situation, just to come out and just say, look, we'll, we'll definitely have a discussion with Eddie Jones. It's just fantastic because we know there was obviously bad blood between Australian rugby and Eddie Jones. Mm -hmm. And for him to come out and straight away say, look, we're going to have a discussion with him, even it may not lead to anything, at least just say hello. <laughs> it, yep. It's To me, it's on the right path. Uh, Andy Marinos is... Uh, Andy Marinos. The, yeah, the Australian CEO of rugby, uh, born in Zimbabwe at the time known as Rhodesia. Represented Wales in uh, in Union between 2002 and 2003, uh, and also played for the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs for one game. So there you go. A uh, his, his sort of CEO credentials. Uh, he was the CEO of Sansa, um, actually up until uh, sorry, since 2015 up until he was announced as the Australian Rugby CEO. So. He's got some uh, experience in in the game, that's for sure. Definitely, and he's, he's doing a fantastic job, I think, for Australian rugby. So if if you had to pick, where would you put yourself in Eddie Jones' shoes, Husey? Husey is now Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones okay. is now Husey. What, what, where are you going? Exclusive interview. <laughs> for me, the opportunity to join a squad one year out from a World Cup and help them, help guide them to a World Cup and pretty much get the lion's share of the credit for getting them to a potentially a World Cup win, I think it's too much to pass up, right? The USA Rugby, they're not in the World Cup this year. There's no chance of really making a splash with them anytime in the next four years. So I could see that, but in 2024 onwards, unless the Wallabies sort of had a succession plan to make Eddie Jones the new head honcho. The NRL one does intrigue me um, because the NRL can throw a lot of money a coach's way, but all the coaching vacancies are currently filled. It's sort of bad timing uh, for, for his path. So I feel like the the, the clearest path is um, with the Wallabies for at least the next 12 months up until the 
World Cup's over and taking them as far as he can get them in the World Cup. And uh, and yeah, like he will get a huge amount of credit for that. And that will, um, you know, any doors that may have been locked to him, which I can't imagine there would be many, would be unlocked from from a good effort there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Really, if he can if he can help the Wallabies get find any form of success next year, then really he can sort of name his price anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I wouldn't see you go into a miss there. Yeah, take a year's deal, help guide that, that Wallaby squad into the World Cup, and then from, you know, into 2023, 2024, you're a free agent, and we go from there, see what happens. And, yeah, like you said, yep. if the Wallabies somehow miraculously win a Rugby World Cup, then he, he's a godsend. And as much as, you know, it's the squad and Rennie and everything like that, it, it does play a big part on his legacy again, and he'll be able to do what he wants, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, the Eddie Jones sweep takes uh, are hot news in the world of rugby at the moment, just purely because we haven't got a lot going on. But what we do have going on, and a topic I wanted to interestingly discuss with you, because we've got, this is two very different perspectives we're going to go into, is schoolboy rugby. There's a festival of rugby on, I think it's tomorrow, so when this podcast go out today, this morning it would have kicked off for for those listening to us tomorrow. Um I don't know, is there an Australian school there? I don't know if there is. Um, there may be, and if there is, uh, I'll be interested to see which one went. I know Hamilton boys from New Zealand went. I know there's Fiji, South Africa, uh, I believe, and then there's all across the UK is schoolboys. It's getting played out of Thailand, which is an interesting place to play a rugby tournament, but yes. Um, now, I have, for, for long, probably my whole life since I went to school, and I'm... New Zealand school, Wellington College, which is a, a pretty big rugby school uh, in the middle of Wellington, um, for televised rugby and pushing schoolboy rugby was the greatest thing on the planet. I thought that was that's what that's what rugby needs. We need these talents. Um, I've been listening to a lot. I've been reading a lot, and I've actually just recently, I'm going to say, the last month or so, really switched my attitude on it, like big time. So in New Zealand. Uh, Actually, just as I was finishing school, um, schoolboy rugby went to this heavy, heavy dose of TV. It was on TV. These guys were being superstars now. Most games, we, we were having the one-off games televised, and then kind of from there, it was just about every week televised rugby. Auckland, our biggest school comp, uh, was pretty much every week games being televised left, right, and centre. Um, Auckland this year have said no more televised games. Um, and this is where I'm going to. I was heavily thinking, televise, put these kids on the grand stage, build them up for the future. But I think it's actually taken away from the game and it's putting a lot of pressure on kids now to compete and to complete at that level, like yeah. to actually be able to do that job. And there's so much now on winning and doing that that it takes away from it. And I compare this to you know college football where we see guys you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 sometimes uh, that's the range you want to be televising them, not 15, 16, 17, 18. Like, that's that's the range. And we even saw it here with the NRL under-20s. And I know when we discussed it last time and someone messaged me, I can't remember who, and said actually they think the, un- the study from the under-20s tournament was that they were actually getting more mental issues coming from it. So it shows, you know, 
if you can't make that jump, it is a it's a massive thing to not all of a sudden make it to be the top kid at your school to all of a sudden not being playing professional rugby. The festival of rugby for schoolboys, like I love that this is on. Um, I don't mind the one-off televised games. Like I think, hey, maybe you televise a final because it is a special moment. Like you know, a lot will get talked about. You know, in America, of like you know those Friday night lights and you know playing high school. That was those were the times. Yep. But I think reserve that for the final and say we'll televise the final. It'll be this big celebration, um, but that's the only game that will be televised. Um, it's starting to trend on mine. And now in New Zealand, everyone pretty much can play rugby. So it's funny enough, like John McGlashan is a school down in Otago who made the semifinals of our top four. Um, back when I was studying in Otago, we and I was playing Colts rugby, we would play against the top first 15s there. John McGlashan was getting beaten by 100 points. So it really depends kind of year on year. It changes quite a lot. And there's not like – there are powerhouses, but they come and go. And as much so it's public, it's private. You've also got, you know, Christian, non-Christian schools. We've got the lot, everyone – Every school has an opportunity to play rugby and be good at rugby in New Zealand. Obviously here, and this is why I really wanted to bring it up with you, it's a it's a bit different. It's a lot different. Very private school heavy. I don't know much has been televised. Obviously we just had the under-16s, under-18s televised, in, in, yeah. which I think was a good idea. Um, but, yeah, I, I just want to know your that's, thoughts on it. That's also a different level. So within Australia you've got different levels. So you've got just like your actual schools themselves. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's long... I would say it's it's pretty fair to say the long-term powerhouse is Joey's. Uh, like here in New South Wales anyway, like St. Joseph's College is always been good, like trying to get the likes of Kirtley Beale and stuff like that as well. Um, Newington's up there. Knox, the school I went to, has churned out a few Wallabies. Um, Lucky Swinton, the most recent. Um, Nick Frost, wasn't it? Is he not the most recent? Oh, yeah, Nick Frost. Sorry, yeah, hey. Nick Frost, most recent. Sorry, yeah. Um, and... Yeah, but there's there's always a few like sort of core schools there, but none of that gets televised, uh, and they're all within sort of their own school competitions. Then you have represent representatives of that school level competition, um, and then from there you go up to uh, like New South Wales schoolboys and things like that, and then you've got like your Waratahs level and stuff like that as well. And so it's a very very upper echelon of schoolboys rugby. So not your average, not your um, your school versus school competition it is like your waratahs level competition that does get televised um but yeah looking at the the festival of rugby the world the world's schools festival as it's known no australian teams involved in that because australia's having its own sort of festival of rugby um in february next year um with i think it's like a new south wales versus queensland type thing um but the schools we've got for the competition in thailand gray college from south africa Millfield School from England, St. Michael's from Ireland, Hamilton Boys, as you mentioned, from New Zealand, um, Sedberg School from England, Trinity School from England, Cardiff and Vale from Wales, and another to-be-announced team. I imagine they've announced it since then. They just that was, yeah, that was the Fijian team. Uh, yeah. That was announced. I think it was Odyssey High School. Um, interesting, yeah. So I, I know it was only by invite, so it's not really like, it's not like a qualified, it was they just invited teams um, that they saw fit, I believe. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that like Australian teams and stuff going, but it does surprise me a little bit, like you know, because a lot of those schools you named are private schools, and it hasn't been televised or monetized here where it has in New Zealand. 
um, yeah. which is interesting. It's very, like I was thinking the other day, you know, like it is one of those dreams probably of kids to play for their college on TV, but they don't get paid for it. They, you know, someone, like it goes under, we've got, we had the rugby channel, I don't know if it's still there, back on Sky Sport is something that you had to pay for an extra subscription to watch these mm. schoolboys games and... You know, someone's making revenue from it, and these guys aren't. I'm not saying they deserve to be making, but it just it has the past. I make think month has just wearied me to the fact that we put a lot of pressure on schoolboy rugby at home, and I think it's yeah we're probably jumping the gun too early. I love it. I do love schoolboy rugby. I think there's a lot that comes from it, but that. We're missing that bunch when it's 18 to 22. And I think, like I said, that a Colts comp under 21s um, for Super Rugby or something like that um, yeah. is what I would actually prefer to see televised and pushed a bit heavier. That'd and be then great. Can, yeah, yeah I, I think that would be awesome. Um, and take away a bit from the schoolboys. Again, there's got to be things in place to help those young guys out, but they're a bit more mature. You know, they've taken that next step up. When you're going from college and you make a mistake – you know, that in your school loses the final to, you know, in a Colts final losing the final for a Hurricanes when you're in a position that you you may even make it to the next level very much closer. It's You've got a, a different mental, you know, yeah. attitude and attitude with that. And so I just, I find it interesting. I, I we'll, we'll try and do a bit more probably coverage over the coming years with schoolboy rugby and stuff like that because I do love it. Um, and I think it's fascinating how schoolboy rugby in Australia is going to grow over the next few years, just purely because, obviously, like we've just said, it's 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 highly private, but it does need to get into the private schools or it will lose out. It's one of the f- many things I think people are crying out for in Australian rugby is get it into the private schools, and I know there are ways to for that to happen and that they're working on. But we shall move on. Shall we talk about the sevens, my friend? It's not often I get this, but the Golden Girls have been handed a silver. <laughs> the Black Ferns, the, the, the Sevens Black Ferns uh, from New Zealand managed to beat your Golden Girls, which doesn't happen often, and your men even managed to finish 10th, I think it was, as Samoa took out the men's comp in Cape Town, um, beating the New Zealand team. So silver and a gold for New Zealand we will be happy with. Uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to mention to everyone that we beat the Golden Girls. Um, you can. Uh, I'm going to finish with one point, but I think we need to set the world rugby, rugby world cup draw straight. Husey, we've yes. been bouncing around this topic for far too long. We've been saying something's going to happen, and this is going to happen, and it's not going to happen. So, I'll let you you run through the pools. Um, and then I'll kind of try and explain what happens with the crossovers, and then I've got a draw down the bottom that I see Husey has changed. <laughs> An example of huh? what I <laughs> what I have written. So Husey, you give yep. us the pools to start off with. All right. So pool A is New Zealand, France, Italy, Uruguay, and Namibia. Uh, France and Italy will be coming out of that pool. <laughs> pool B, uh, we've got. South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Tonga, and Romania. Pool C, Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia, and Portugal. Pool D, England, Japan, Argentina, Samoa, and Chile. Okay, so quarterfinal one is winner of Pool C against Pool D. So the Wales, Australia, England, Japan, 
Have this, you seen a this is easy, this one, because it's just the, the pools that are next to each other. Crossover. Each other. A and B, yeah. C and D. They cross over. From there, it's quarterfinal one against quarterfinal two, which is the first quarterfinal, which is winner of pool C versus winner of pool D, and then winner of pool B versus runner-up of pool A. So we go there. So uh, just while we're getting things straight there, you misspoke. So quarterfinal one is the winner of pool C versus the runner-up. Oh, runner-up. Sorry, what did I say? Winner, probably. Uh, yeah, and then quarterfinal two is the winner of pool B versus the runner-up of pool A. Quarterfinal three is the winner of pool D versus runner-up of pool C. And quarterfinal four is winner of pool A versus runner-up of pool B. Fairly simple system. Then, as Luke said, the semi-final. Semi-final one is the winner of the quarterfinal one versus the winner of quarterfinal two. So that is either the winner of pool C or the runner-up of pool D or the winner of pool B or the runner-up of pool A. So that way, that's where the crossover cross happens. Yeah. This is where we're crossing <laughs> the timelines, going into the multiverse here between the two pool, the two sides of the draw. And semi-final two is the winner of quarterfinal three versus the winner of quarterfinal four. Now I can see you've put down who you think is going to make it through. Uh, Let's just hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want I, yeah. I don't want this said. I just use the example, and because we're a New Zealand Australia based okay. podcast, I've I've favoured us. I don't want it saying that this is yeah. my predictions. I've just favoured us. I th- I look. I think it's fair to say, and I think there's those would be fair predictions as well. The only one I would say I have the biggest question mark over at the moment is Wales. In fact, in Pool C, I think Fiji has got a fair. Their chance of knocking them off, but anyway, the, the 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 going by world rugby rankings, I think is probably the best way to say how you've done these. Pools. Well, I haven't because <laughs> going by who I think the best teams are. <laughs> sure, sure, fine. Uh, so, Pool A, we're predicting New Zealand to win that and France to come second. That's bold. That's bold. That's that would require you to beat France in France during the pools stages. That's what I mean. New Zealand Australia podcast. I've chosen this based off yeah, our yeah. bias. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see how that would affect the draw if you actually were the runner-up there. So you would be in quarterfinal two. So you would be on Australia's side of the draw then in the in, in the semifinals if you yes. were the runner-up in that pool. Well, so if you pool, win your pool. pool eight, <laughs> well, we will. Uh, we've got a bit, we've, I would say we've got better odds of winning our pool than you do yours. I think that's based on yeah, that's current, probably not current rankings and, and betting odds. So, But let's say for the narrative of this podcast, what we would ideally have is New Zealand <laughs> winning Pool A and France the runner-up of Pool A. Then Pool B, we would have the winner as South Africa, the runner-up Ireland. Pool C, winner Australia, runner-up Wales. And Pool D, winner England, uh, runner-up Argentina. This sets us up for our quarterfinals now. Quarterfinal one, Australia versus Argentina. Great matchup there. Two rugby powerhouses. One, the old guard. The other, the newcomer, new blood. Uh, Michael Checker versus his old squad. Uh, you know, Dave Rennie there, possibly Eddie Jones by his side. Uh, great game. We would anticipate Australia to win that one. Argentina on the rise. Maybe next year they'll show us something in the rugby championship that would make us believe otherwise. But you would assume that Australia goes through from here. Next, we have quarterfinal two, South Africa versus France. Now, this may well be the match of the tournament. Uh, two uh, teams at their peak currently, you know, France haven't lost a game all year, as we've mentioned on previous podcasts, South Africa, uh, winners of the previous world cup seem to come alive whenever the world cup rolls around. Uh, and, and two teams that have uh, very unique styles of rugby 
uh, and we'd get to see how they clash uh, here in this quarterfinal. Uh, but we would say that due to it being the World Cup, that France are actually knocked out in the quarterfinals on home soil. And South Africa takes the quarterfinal. Third quarterfinal, England versus Wales. Old foes, centuries old foes. Now part of the same country, but really they still hate each other. Uh, and I think the others should just not be part of society anymore. Uh, England, fresh off the axing of their head coach. Wales, fresh off the axing of their head coach. Wales, though, uh, they've got Warren Gatland in there, who's led Wales to the most success that they've experienced. England, uh, have they made a final call on their coach there for England yet? Not Just going to be... No, okay. So we don't know. Someone at the helm for England. <laughs> yeah. Someone at the helm for England. Likely, though, still England to win that one just due to the dearth of talent in Wales currently. The overabundance of sheep. Speaking of, New Zealand versus Ireland in quarterfinal number four. Uh, revenge to a hashtag revenge. Hashtag uh, Anzacs are back, baby. Um, uh, New Zealand versus Ireland. Revenge for Ireland uh, walking into New Zealand, strolling over the All Blacks in a 2-1 series win for the Galway guys, uh, the Irish team against New Zealand. So the All Blacks here out for revenge. Uh, New Zealand to take that one, despite Ireland being the number one ranked team in the world. Uh, so Ireland will cop a loss there. This sets us up for some pretty spectacular semifinals. The first semifinal would be the Wallabies versus the Springbok. Australia versus South Africa. And old foes once again, right? The green and gold versus the gold and green. You know, uh, Mandela's mates versus uh, Albo's Aussies. Uh, you know, <laughs> lots of... There's so many things here. You know, you've got uh, Invictus, great rugby movie. Matt Damon played an absolutely amazing uh, uh, South African... Uh, captain there whose name I can't remember at this stage but uh, great movie, great rugby movie not many great rugby movies out there that was a fantastic one but in this one, these two teams ha evenly split in 2022 Australia, South Africa won a piece in Australia on neutral ground in France I think more than any other team in the world, Australia lines up against South Africa probably the best, I think whatever we do we seem to uh, find a way to be able to beat South Africa and so Dave Rennie, with sidekick Eddie Jones, navigates Australia around the treacherous Cape Town Crusaders of South Africa and into a World Cup final. Semi-final two. This is where things get serious. This is a chess match in the most literal sense as it's white versus black here. England against New Zealand. The as-yet-to-be-named England head coach makes it to a semi-final somehow in this narrative. And the much maligned Ian Foster has New Zealand one game away from a World Cup final. This is a game of, of proportions that cannot be uh, overemphasized. Uh, last World Cup, these teams met in the semi-final, and England triumphed. The light over the dark, as it were. The old world against the new. This time, though, Barrett, the, the Barrett brothers... And the maestro, Ian Foster, take it over over England. And we have the best possible World Cup final that anyone could ask for. Australia versus New Zealand. A up repeat the of the 2015 World Cup. Yeah, up the Anzacs. Hashtag revenge. Fuck all the Northern Hemisphere teams. 
Australia is in there. And fucks Africa too for trying to be a Northern Hemisphere team, trying to get into the nations. <laughs> I see you see a Khaleesi coming out this week saying about how good it would be for South Africa to be in there. Staying in the rugby championship where you belong. You're a Southern Hemisphere team. They'll never accept you. They're old world snobs. They just see you as a colony. Just stick with the Anzacs and stick with Sansa. Anyway, the best possible World Cup rugby final, Australia versus New Zealand. Wallabies versus the All Black. Now, my twist here is, and I see Luke, you keep talking <laughs> about what I've said. My twist here is that New Zealand will win the Bledisloe Cup next year. But Australia wins the World Cup because they learn from that Bledisloe Cup. Eddie Jones goes full Megamind. Charles Xavier, Professor X, absorbing all the information from those Bledisloe Cup losses. And he lulls with Dave Rennie. He lulls New Zealand into a false sense of security. Let's them win the Bledders. I think we've got Australia exactly where we want them. We know we can beat them. Not so, my friend. It was all a ruse, a ruse de guerre leading up to this World Cup final where Australia brings home its third World Cup trophy, the Webb Ellis Cup. And that is, you can take it word for word, <laughs> take it to the bookies. That is how the World Cup next year is going to go. Uh, I'm glad you've still got an imagination, my friend. Um, after all these years of letdown, uh, it's good to see that you're still it's high. The only spirit. thing that's left to me. <laughs> it's the only thing that's left to me. Um, so yes, so Australia and England. Official will... sports booth prediction: Australia to win no, the World Cup. No, that's definitely not graphic. It. No it's now a graphic. Alrighty. Luke, make it into a graphic. I'm not doing that. That will never be made into a graphic by myself. Um, but yes, Australia and England will not play each other in the semi-finals. We will be, you will be playing one of the others, um, so that clears that up. You do have the easy run into the quarterfinals, and then once you hit semifinals, Australia and England will find themselves facing someone tough. Um, but yes, we will do We'll do a whole probably prediction video close to the time where we actually predict who we're going to see make it through and everything like that. Um, so stay tuned for that sometime in the next year. Um, I did just want to finish now with introducing you to uh, a player I am heavily falling in love with. Now, he went to a rival school. We talked about schoolboys. He went to a rival whoa, school. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Adi Savia, stop listening at this point. Well, hold on. Don't this want to is, get hurt. This is, yeah, this is what I want to discuss. I actually think this is Adi Savia 2.0. Now, you probably haven't seen the name Peter Larkai. He's been absolutely killing it for Wellington Rugby, was by far and away the best Wellington Rugby player. Um, he was named MVP for our NPC um, standings, and he is a number eight, uh, Fijian-born, same hairdo as Artie Savia, to be honest. Looks very similar to Artie Savia. Is a 20-year-old mammoth of a man and runs like he's angry. Very similar to it. A, a, a mentioned Adi Savia. So, um, since, you know, Adi Savia and good things can't last forever, I'm ready for the rebound and I'm getting myself prepped. This kid is signed as a Hurricanes player this year. He's going to be a standout player. It's going to be really interesting to see what the Hurricanes do because we've got a, a, a plethora of loose forwards. We've got Adi Savia, we've got Peter Larkai, Duplessis Karifi, um, and a handful of others that are right on the edge of that and how they're going to play him. So I think we may see Adi Savia move back to seven um, for the Hurricanes and give Peter Larkai a go mm. at eight. That's how good this wow. kid is. Um, and I, I put it in our run sheet. He is the Hurricanes version of your Waratahs, Max Jorgensen, who is looking like he's got all the all the candy to, to, 
to steal from the treat shop, if you know what I mean. Like, he looks very talented. Uh, I don't know if he'll get any game time um, this year, but you'd imagine they'll try and fit him in somewhere. But, I mean, you do have some very talented outside backs. So I just wanted you to be introduced to my next love. Yeah. My next love. I'm preparing myself for my next yeah. love. Like my replacing first replacing with a younger model. I am. I'm not I'm not replacing yet. Like Adi Savi is still around and Adi Savi is still my number one. But Peter Larkai is getting pretty quickly ready. into that number two shoes and I'm ready for it. Yeah, just getting ready to replace one when he gets too old with your with your next younger, better looking model. Exactly. That's, That's what I'm ready. I'm you can call me uh, <laughs> Leonardo if you want to, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I do have something for you, though, here super quickly, right before we end the, the, the podcast. Um, and it, it's, it's important that um, this gets out there, um, and I just need to find it super quickly. Uh, and this will be going on our official Instagram later. Um Wherever I put it, <laughs> will it? Oh, I find it. Is it? Oh, I just saw it. Where are you? Come back here. Here we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> did your <laughs> did your five year old <laughs> nephew draw that up for you? Did he? <laughs> Look, I don't have a degree or training in graphic design like you, my friend. I. I'm an amateur talent, and I failed art at school. So <laughs> it's good you're a lawyer, my friend. That is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Do not yeah. quit your so day this job. Will be posted, this will be posted to our official Instagram uh, as our official World Cup prediction. Sure, sure it will be. Um, and with that, we will say goodbye. <laughs> <sighs> Um, thank you for joining us on the That Rugby Podcast brought to you by The Sports Booth. We'll be back again next week before one more before the end of the year. Um, but for now, thank you for joining us. Talk to you later. Bye. Peace.